dream team. Adam, Bobby, Josh, you got the news feed. It's the big three. It's the dream team. Big three IDP. Let's go. What's up, you diehard, you degenerates, you lovers of defensive football? We're back with another episode of the Big Three IDP podcast. I am your host, Adam Markham, and I know what you're thinking. Where's Josh? Where's Bobby? What's going on? Uh, everyone's okay. Everyone's here and accounted for. We just uh, happened to have my fantasy hero on, so uh, thought that I'd be the one to to bring him in. So this is the uh, this is the co-owner of FootballGuys.com, one of the best fantasy sites in the biz. He is the host of On the Couch, co-host of The Audible with Cecil Lammy and Dr. Gene Bramel. He is the mayor of Narrative Street. He's my 101, my one through four on the Mount Rushmore. Can't believe I'm about to say this. Sigmund Bloom, welcome to the Big Three IDP podcast. Oh, thank you. I hope I can live up to the introduction. <laughs> um, and... I take that word hero not lightly. The heroes are like in the hospitals and people doing things now to hold whatever tatters are left of our country together. But meanwhile, we will fiddle and talk football. That's right, Sig. When we first started the show, we all kind of wrote down like, all right, who's the goat? Who do we want to have on? Like each of our dream guests. Mine was Mark Sessler from the NFL, around the NFL podcast. Mm -hmm. Bobby's is Aaron Donald. We're working mm -hmm. on that one. And um, <laughs> you were Adam's dream guest. So seriously, man, thanks for coming on. We're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. I know it's July, but we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about and uh, excited to get your take on this very interesting period that we find ourselves in. In the NFL calendar right now, Sig, stuff is is starting to ramp up. Uh, but as we get closer to this training camp report date in late July, some interesting stuff is starting to pop up that we hadn't previously heard about. Uh, you know, all these financial questions mm -hmm. of we're worried about the virus, we're mm -hmm. worried about the virus. But now we're getting to the real heart of it, I feel like, Sig, for this NFL season is how is the money going to work with the NFL right. in 2020? Mm -hmm. Look, I mean, we have a wonderful agenda, uh, all kinds of interesting things to talk about. Of course, IDP fantasy football at the center of it. But we could probably go the next hour just on this question, right? Because uh, I had Scott Baird on my show this week, uh, and we talked about, at his prompting, all the ways that this season is not going to resemble any season we've seen before. And how that's not necessarily being reflected in fantasy ADP. It's not being reflected in betting lines and we need to open our minds to something. Well, this has been the exercise of 2020, right? Open your minds to something that you, not just that you didn't think was possible, but that you couldn't have even contemplated before this year. And I think that we have to assume that that's going to, that spread. Here we go. It's like, it's a Freudian. It's impossible to not think about <laughs> diseases right now, no matter what you're actually thinking about. Um, so we have so many uncertainties. And as you said, there's a mini CBA that has to be worked out between the NFL and the NFLPA. And they're not close. You know, we saw baseball grind to a halt with its potential restart over money. And aside from that, there's all these questions. I'm afraid from the outside looking in, fellas, that the NFL has done about as much to plan for this as our leadership has, yes. you know, our political leadership. They're just kind of like, well, we'll figure it out. And hopefully we'll have a season just because of the sheer will to have a season and how it holds together the mental health of our country. I mean, in some ways we see that in the old bread and circus way to like the circus is professional football and professional sports. So that's, my hope for the season. But on the other side, you have all these hurdles. You have the money. You have what's going to happen when they test players when they first get back. And we see the extent that players are already infected. What's going to happen the first time a position group can't play? What's going to happen the first time a coach or someone close to a team or a player gets seriously sick, ends up in the hospital from coronavirus that they contracted, probably because the NFL restarted. Like if we were sane, we wouldn't be restarting the NFL or anything. If we were saying we'd be back in lockdown right now, as far as I'm concerned, but that's a whole other show. So, you know, it usually works out that the NFL bashes the NFLPA over the head and the NFLPA just takes whatever to, so they can play. 
and get game checks, right? The NFL always has this leverage over players because maybe some of them don't have the most uh, prudent lifestyles with their money. And once the game checks aren't there, then they come to the table. Um, I don't know if that's going to apply now. I wonder if players are more like, you know what? I'm cool with hanging out. And it's possible that this hurdle is not being uh, reckoned with as a very large one because the NFL wants to spread it. I wants all the pain to happen this year. The NFLPA wants to spread it out over multiple years. And that's a big deal because we know that the Baltimore said 14,000 fans, uh, Jacksonville, a quarter of the fans, et cetera. We're not going to see revenues be anywhere close to a projected year. And that has to come out somewhere, partially from the players, partially from the owners. And it's a big question in a time of big questions. So even after we knock that one down, there are others waiting behind it. Yeah. And all that to basically give the preamble of, yes, this is a fantasy football show. We're going to talk IDP. We got a lot of fun topics, but the specter of a season potentially not happening is still very much looming over these next few weeks, Sig. And so we have to address the elephant in the room before we get into talking, you know, the fun stuff about fantasy that there's a long way to go. I know we're basically two weeks out at this point from players reporting to training camp and the NFL has been hell bent thus far on hitting those deadlines, but there are still a lot of things that have to be ironed out. So hopefully these next two weeks are productive, but, it's I am. You're right. The NFL typically bashes the NFL PA over the head. I'm sensing a little bit of a shift here as we get closer to the starting the start of training camps, the start of the preseason, where the players more than ever have leverage because they are the entertainment. And right. as yeah, as we run up against this sort of very hard deadline, the NFL has set. I think the owners might have to actually be the ones <laughs> to give more than they're used to giving here, Sig. Yeah, it, I mean, I think we're seeing, we saw, look, opt out is going to be the ultimate power. And maybe that's the lubrication that, that greases this thing through is that players who are uh, don't, they're saying like, you want to take 35% of my salary and hold an escrow. No, thanks. Are the same players going to say, you know what? I don't even I care right now that much about football because it's always the scales in all of our heads and every choice we make in our life. And the scales have always been, and again, it's hard for me to not expand this out to our whole country, our whole community and ethos. The scales are, you know, I can make this much money or advance my career, uh, advance my ambitions versus, you know, whatever time with my family, doing my hobbies, like just hanging out, you know, and um, we're all, the scales are, might seem a lot different now than they did a year ago. So Absolutely. Um, I think that the opt-out provision gives players power. I think the fact that it should be laid bare, and again, this is a larger discussion, that the players are the commodity. Not they the own absolutely. You know, that's the commodity. I mean, they they should get 80% of the revenue. You know, this is like again, I don't want to turn this into like ideological <laughs> political stuff, but I'm you know, you Do know, it. you guys know me, you know what you Love got it. when you booked me. Um, um you, you know, th- this idea that the uh, owners should get half or like the schools, the college football programs should get such a huge portion of the revenue when we could all see plainly that the revenue is created by the players. Like, I think what we're going to see this year, that's an interesting test is again, by sheer will, the NFL season going forward, we're probably going to see not to the extent of, I don't know how old y'all are. If you remember like the scab year, but there was three years of uh, three games of scabs that, you know, was kind of, it was, it was like preseason with a laugh track, you know? Oh, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it can only, it could not have gone on much longer. And I wonder if we get down to a certain number of replacement players this year for fantasy football to make it interesting for those of us mm-hmm. that geek out on the players at the end of the rosters. Yeah. Um, so I think that you're right, that it's going to expose more that hopefully people, not just even in sports, but just looking out at our larger society, see who the value creators are, who the, value givers are in our lives and not necessarily the people who want to hoard and capture and build a mass, a mountain of wealth to sit on way above the rest of us by playing the game. And that I'm afraid is what's keeping us stuck in this pandemic Mm -hmm. is this idea that the one thing we can't do is stop being productive and commodifying ourselves and creating more wealth and massing more wealth. Sometimes there are things more important than that. And it's 
important in our lives from the top all the way down to the bottom right now. Because I think as things reopen, while we know the pandemic is out there, each individual one of us has to weigh our risks and weigh what it's worth to us. And, uh, you know, it's it's just the mark of the time right now. But it's also time to make fantasy drafts, too, because I'm in the That's middle right. of like a dynasty. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a dynasty uh, a best ball, super flex, tight end premium, FFPC thing. And I had spent like two hours this morning deciding whether I was going to take Irv Smith or Darius Slayton. Oh, what'd you go? You, you went Irv, right? Yeah, so it's a tight end premium. So I'm amassing, I'm trying to amass. I, this, this is what I did, guys. I don't want to veer us off because you had a lot of great questions and topics. <laughs> so I, before the startup, I took my second, third, and fourth round picks. And I traded down so that I ended up with two picks in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, and thirteenth rounds. Mm. And then I've traded down additionally so that um, I've got two picks now in the fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth. So I'm just doubling up in the, I figure with uncertainty, quantity over quality yes. that's right absolutely right yes and it's dynasty so i can i can have my cake and eat it you know i can take a win now pick and i can take in these two rounds right each round two picks i can take a win now pick and i can take a pick for the future that's right yeah yeah we we need the nfl to happen this year just because i've done more startups this off yeah, right than ever ever before adam's gonna have like a dozen leagues just sink into the ocean if there's no nfl this season yeah all the pessimists it's gonna be like everybody who drafted a dynasty startup this year thinking there's not gonna be football this year if that's what comes to pass like the the idea that we're being the most pessimistic possible being rewarded i mean it's cruel Mm. but i guess in some ways it matches reality right now yeah yeah probably probably good to be level-headed about it yes absolutely also wanted to touch back on you know the players realizing their worth i've noticed a lot of tweets recently from players talking about i saw aj brown tweeted out that he's gonna he's gonna pick his family over football you know a lot of stuff like that Diggs has tweeted about it but i think you're seeing these players starting to question like you know they're worried about it for sure. And you can, you can see that in their tweets and what they're saying. Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of a reminder that these guys look like superheroes yeah. and, but they're actually human beings just like we are. And they have those same Mm -hmm. concerns and worries. And Sig, I think Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned the episode you did with Scott Barrett. Fantastic. One of my favorite podcasts of this off season, everyone needs to check it out. But, um, you know, thinking about some of these players that have these, you know, comorbidities that maybe we don't think about because they're professional athletes. You know, people like John Brown with uh, sickle cell, yeah. you know, people with diabetes, the the guys with the higher BMI that, mm-hmm. you know, these big hog molly defensive tackles and offensive linemen. I don't blame them for having these concerns. And Sig, I, you know, one more kind of note here and yeah. then we'll get into the fun stuff. But like you guys talked about on the show that you did with Scott, what is going to be the reaction and the fallout when somebody goes to the hospital with coronavirus. And I have a feeling and we'll see if it comes to pass, but I, I think what we're thinking of is the players. I'm worried about some of these coaches, Andy Reed, like Andy Reed. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Doesn't take care of him. He's like our football grandpa. That's in our heart right now. That we think about like, don't let anything happen to Andy Reed. Football Santa Claus (laughs) just won the Super Bowl. He's been eating ribs all off season. He's loving life. Like don't let something happen to Andy Reed. But these are the guys, you know, who are eating out of the vending machine, sleeping on the couch in their office, not taking care of themselves. Those are the guys that I'm worried about the coaches. Yeah, and real quick, because you 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 really nailed it. It's like again, what is football worth? What is it worth to all of us to have football? Because in a lot of ways, we're like we we can be. And I want to send a message out to everybody: like when players decide to opt out, please be supportive. Please, I I, I don't want to see people coming in with fangs bared because somebody my team needs your teammates mm. need you. I mean, we're like the masses bloodthirsty calling for the sacrifice at the at the altar, you know, like in the days of human sacrifice, like like we want our football. And the thing is, and this is why. And look, I my whole living is based on this. You know, we don't have a football season or the football season is just paused indefinitely. I don't know what my family's going to do. I'm not rich. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I, I, I pay, I'm, I rent, you know, I don't even own the home I live in. I, although I love, I love the home I live in. I love the city. So I, I have skin in the game like anybody else, but I think we can project forward and say, if Andy Reed ends up in the hospital or if Pete Carroll ends up in the hospital, or it doesn't even have to be the oldest coaches, you know, I mean, there are people in their thirties and twenties dying of coronavirus right now. If a player, any player, right. It doesn't even have to be, 
a notable player. Like if we just find out that the third string linebacker, I don't even want to say a name because I don't want to put that evil on somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like just, just some is in the hospital and intubated on a ventilator. We would all say football's not worth it. Football's not worth one life, right? I mean, they changed the rules of football back in the Teddy Roosevelt days. Teddy Roosevelt saved football because people were dying playing football. And they said, we have to, no, we have to do this in such a way that people don't die. So I think that mm-hmm. I'm afraid in my heart, I know that when someone goes to the hospital, that there's going to be a big just reconsideration of all of this. And I, I hope that it brings people to their senses, but I, I weep that it, it takes that to bring us to our senses right now. Yeah. I'm just afraid that that's where we are with the bloodthirst, you know, keep the economy open. Like you said, productivity, mm-hmm. accumulation, money, keep things moving forward. This, the NFL resuming kind of falls right in line with this sort of ideology of progress waits for nothing, not even mm-hmm. a global pandemic, sadly. And so let's transition to some IDP. Yeah. Let's talk some fun <laughs> fantasy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Eddie, we got a question here to kick it off with SIG, just sort of background IDP. So why don't you uh, hit us with that first question? There. Yeah, so SIG, uh, one of the few industry giants that actually plays IDP. So uh, when did you start playing and, and mm-hmm. what kind of got you into it? Actually, IDP fantasy football followed regular fantasy football for me like a year or two later. And it what what really got me into it was a twenty team league. It was run on Yahoo groups on text files. Everybody had a franchise that uh, was in all four sports, so you, we competed across all four sports. And it was a salary cap uh, a dynasty type where you signed players to contracts. And um, it was it. I loved having an excuse to want to know about every player on every team. Is, and I loved wanting to everything that happened in the games to have significance. And it just, it, you know, fantasy just gave me an excuse to do what I wanted to do anyway, which was, you know, sitting in my office job and doing that and researching that instead of actually doing my work. And then I said, well, why can't I make fantasy football my work? So, you know, defense, I mean, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, the Steel Curtain, Jack Lambert, you know, mm. D- defense was. I think the more glamorous part of football when you grew up in that kind of football culture. So of course I was as excited to have, um, you know, Ray Lewis on my team as I was to have Ladanian Tomlinson or something like that. And uh, it just seemed natural to me. I, I, I didn't understand why it wasn't included in the first place. Yep. I love that on Yahoo groups. She said, Sig mm-hmm. with text files. Yeah. That's incredible. Where there's a will, there's a way. Really, what you need, you need to talk to like Bob Harris and some of the people from the original days. And they, you know, how old are you? You've been in a league that had to be hand scored and things like that. Uh, so, you know, I think, and that's good because even past technology, and even if there's not professional sports, we'll do fantasy anthills or something, you know, which <laughs> anthill is going to be built the fastest or something like that. Oh, yeah. We'll find something. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, where there's a will, there's a way. I'm I'm thankful we came up in the era, you know, of uh, actual, you know, online fantasy where we weren't having to hand score things. But the, the true heroes, let's not overlook these guys. Yeah. The commissioners who were having to get the box scores and hand score everything and send it out. Like, so what year was that uh, around 2002, 2003? Wow. I remember, see, this is where I, I'm going to actually talk baseball. I'm going to pollute the water here. Cause I can remember signing. Cause you could sign like players that were in rookie ball and single a. And I remember I signed like Zach Granke and Scott Casimir and, um, um, uh, uh who's the, the shortstop. For the Red Sox, my brain is yeah, Swiss cheese. No more Garcia Parra. Before after Garcia Parra, I can't remember. Anyway, my point is, I signed all these guys when they were in like rookie ball, you know, Cole Hamels, and uh, signed with these long-term, really cheap contracts. And I never got to, you know, see the fruits of my labor because I switched over to all football around 2005, 2006 to try to make a go as a career. And here we are. Here we are. <sighs> All right. Well, this is Hanley Ramirez. Sorry. There you go. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. He was a baller for a little bit. One of the questions we often consider is, you know, we we I know we're biased. We're this is an IDP podcast, but we often wonder as fantasy continues to evolve. We're seeing some of these evolutions play out like super flex tight end premium dynasty has become more popular. Best ball has become an evolution of that. 
the IDP side of fantasy football, where do you see this going in the coming years? Do you think the popularity will continue to increase for IDP? Absolutely. I think what you see is like, um, it's like a drug and you're upping the dosage basically. That's right. Like you need a fix. And the more complex the puzzle, the more interesting strategy angles, the more layers there are to consider, the more satisfying it is or engrossing it is. So that's why you see, and it goes back to even PPR. Uh, PPR was introduced to make wide receivers more valuable so that the first few rounds of a draft weren't so predictable and then expanded lineups. And like you said, super flex. I think people like tight end premium leagues better. I think people like best ball because it adds a whole other way of looking at players and how they can contribute to your lineup. And I think the, the domino that will, will cause IDP to really take off is when it starts being included in a DFS. And there is a hurdle there that the, Scoring for IDP is much more imprecise. Well, I mean, the scoring for offensive football, you know, there's very few controversial things. It's pretty cut and dry. But for IDPs, we do stuff like Aaron Rodicki watches the stat crews, you know, and you can see the difference between home and away stat crews and their tendencies to give tackles and assists. It's very subjective. But at the same time, you know, there's always something subjective with sports. There's you know, the calls is the refs and things like that. I mean, people that are watching all the soccer startups and VAR, like there's always going to be that layer and people will get used to it. And then all of us that have been doing IDP all along, all, you know, the people will care a lot more what we have to say. And I just think again, for, you know, the pitch to people is if you get into IDP fantasy football, then everything that happens on your screen becomes more meaningful and becomes richer and you understand more. Uh, and I, I think that, people are going to continue to step up their desire to get immersed in football. And it's just the obvious next step. Yeah. It's like, if do you want to enjoy watching football more? Do you want to enjoy fantasy football more? IDP is a great way to do that because now, no matter if the offense or defense, no matter what side of the ball is on the field for whatever team you're watching, you may have a guy involved in fantasy. So it just ups the stakes, it ups the challenge, and it gives you more of a rooting interest all the way around. I totally agree. Uh, we had a question here talking about the evolution of IDP and some of these uh, aberrations and you know scoring and roster setup and how do you construct these leagues. Addy, what's the question that we have here? I think this is around possibly the edge designation. Yeah, true positions and, and edge. What are your thoughts on it? Are you for it or, or against it? Uh, I mean... There's one thing that Edge can iron out, which is the way that when players are switching back and forth between outside linebacker and defensive end, the value changes, and that can be frustrating. So I think that it reflects more of the way that football is thought about now than when we were all focused on the 3-4-4-3 defense and the roles in the 3-4-4-3 defense. And even the idea that a player, when he was on the field, had one basic role that's changing. So I think anything that reflects that reality more is something that will improve fantasy football. But at the same time, it's like any puzzle. Just tell me the rules of the puzzle and I'll jump in and do my best with it. So uh, I, I think that, uh, and I, I do think that IDP fantasy football players are maybe more in tune with trends within the game because of watching this, you know, because of watching defenses, having say 11 players play most of the snaps 10 or 15 years ago. And now 15, 16 or 17 players might play at least 20 or 30% of the snaps that the idea that nickel is a base defense now, things like that. And the idea that whether it's a four, three or a three, four, edge is its own position and now we have off-ball linebacker as a position i think that reflects reality so i'm all for it yeah i i'm for it but you know to i think some people maybe want it as like a standard i'm not really about that i think it's i think variety is yeah is the uh the best here and i honestly love the way sleeper does it and does the does the uh, dual designations um i like my leagues where i start my defensive tackles and cornerbacks but also like the, you know, not having to jump through so many hoops and sleeper and and having just being able to just, you know, start like these monster lineups. TJ Watt, Shaq Barrett at linebacker, you know, um, you can you can run Zadarius Smith as your defensive lineman. It just gives you a lot more options. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not really hard pressed on it either. Yeah, way. I don't think we have to be for or against it. It's like, why not? Why not try it yeah. both ways? See which one you actually prefer. 
and realize that, yeah, it's nice to have some variety. If you're in multiple leagues, you can do multiple things. Give it hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let her rip, baby. So, uh, Sig, we're going to get into some of the uh, actual fantasy advice here now on the IDP side of the ball. So why don't you give us a linebacker, a defensive mm-hmm. lineman, and a defensive back that you are not leaving your draft without this season? DeMarcus Lawrence is a real easy defensive end to go after Mm -hmm. because he's been moved way down in rankings after his down year last year. But uh, his upside with Dallas now as a track meet offense is really exciting. The idea of DeMarcus Lawrence, and we'll see about Alden Smith. We'll see if Randy Gregory gets reinstated. Durant's Armstrong is an interesting developmental guy to watch on that other side because Robert Quinn's in Chicago now. But Lawrence looks like easy, low-hanging fruit. Linebacker, just love Devin Bush. And that, some of that's Steelers homer. Some of that is you just see a guy that um, when the game slows down a little bit for him, wow, watch out. He just teleports around the field. And at defensive back, I'm loving uh, Taylor Rapp. And I think we can look to defenses where it's like this. If you're looking through defense because of uncertainty and inexperience at linebacker, and you're wondering, Oh, who's going to win out? Shift your paradigm. Think about the safeties. Think about the box safeties. They are the ones most likely to get that bump from the uncertainty than these linebackers that are just going to be battling to get snaps. Yeah. It's such a great point. I'd actually written down Taylor Rapp for mine as well. Just because John Johnson, great choice as well. Love JJ and his potential there because there's no Rams linebackers of note right now. Uh, but I would rather take Taylor Rapp in the later rounds than pay the premium for JJ right now. So speaking of Rams, Bobby, let's throw it over to you. Who are the linebacker, defensive lineman, and DB that you aren't leaving your draft without? So, you know, shout out to one of our favorite platforms, uh, Reality Sports Online. And the, you know, defensive tackle designation that we get to run with, which is pretty cool um, because, you know, a lot of times in sleeper drafts, those DTs either are super, super late or not drafted at all. But a couple of DTs here that I kind of want to target later on or maybe even on the waiver wire, um, Jeffrey Simmons, and then I believe it's Kalen Anders. I'm not 100% sure how to say his first name, but, you know, looking at Jeffrey Simmons um, out of Mississippi State, I took him, I think, with the last pick. Um, in our RSO draft um, of the fifth round, whatever year it was. I guess it was 2019. Um, Coming out of Mississippi State with that ACL torn, um, targeting him mostly because I like his potential. Um, I really like Jarrell Casey um, being shipped off to Denver as well. So that means that, you know, Simmons is going to be there by his lonesome. Um, And, you know, shout out to Addy for that tweet he sent out a couple weeks ago. But, you know, Simmons looking pretty uh, mm-hmm. pretty healthy these days. So, uh, you know, we always, as a big three IDP podcast, love a love a sexy tweet from a uh, We love objectifying the player. male figure when they post those <laughs> uh, hype photos on Twitter. Absolutely. But then, you know, for Kalen Sanders, um, Saunders, Sanders, I don't know how to say that one yet. But I think we will learn how to say that because Chris Jones, you know, kind of like Sig was talking about in the beginning with – the weirdness that the 2020 season is going to bring, you know, not only with playing time, but also with money, you know, shout out to our boy, Josh's uh, favorite player, Patrick Mahomes there with that, you know, Mahomes bank and trust contract that he just earned, Um, you know, with that deal being shipped out in a weird time right now, it seems like Chris Jones is, you know, holdout might actually be a real thing. So, you know, Saunders might be somebody there to kind of target later on in your drafts. And then real quick, my two, you know, that's this is the joy sig of doing a, a podcast with children in the house. It's coronavirus time. No, I think this all makes it more relatable. Everybody is having Absolutely. to make alterations to their life, and it's just a sign, it, you know, it's good. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend I I had- to not have children for those of you that haven't, <laughs> but for those of you that have, we we know we know. Yeah. That's a that's a good word, sig. But yeah, real quick, my LB would be uh, Traven Howard. Um, you know, shout out to our boy Mike Wollert for this one. You know, Howard. 2018 draft pick pretty late from TCU actually got a little bit of uh, playing time down the, down the stretch last year Um, showed out pretty decent against Arizona twice. And then against Seattle once I just, my thing with that, I'm not a Kaiser fan. I'm not a Kenny young fan, not a Troy reader guy. 
Um, I really just kind of want to take my shot. You know, Howard was a safety in college, transitioned to a linebacker there. And I think, you know, to fill that Corey Littleton role, you're going to have to have somebody who can not only tackle but can also play coverage well. Uh, I don't know that Howard is going to be Corey Littleton. He's probably not. But um, as far as 2020 is concerned, I'm I'm all for that. And then my DB pick is just to try to snipe at him and uh, try to get Jeremy Chin before he can. That's hateful, Bobby. It's very hateful, and we don't appreciate it. <laughs> Um, but Jeremy Chen, yeah, Sig, talk about walking into a, a oh. great opportunity there with all the vacated tackles in Carolina. It just seems like wheels up for Chen, wheels up for Shaq Thompson. That's actually my pick for linebacker. This is a guy I see with the potential to finish as the linebacker one there in Carolina. We mentioned Taylor Rapp earlier, and uh, my pick for uh, the defensive lineman was actually Trey Flowers, Sig, a guy that, mm. and that's what I'm trying to look at right now is like, who are guys that feel like massive disappointments, right? Trey Flowers was this guy that was getting like top five DN buzz last year. Felt like a huge disappointment, still DN 17 in our league. So was a solid DN two for your team. So I see him as a buy low right now. So that's, that's kind of how I'm approaching this is like, Look for the guys. You mentioned Demarcus Lawrence. Great buy low opportunity. I see Trey Flowers the same way. And then look for these guys who are walking into such an increased opportunity for production. That That's how I'm approaching this. I don't know. When you look at kind of like yeah. the, 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 the formula or the recipe for like, who are these guys that I'm taking dart throws on late? Right. What are you looking for? Are you looking for buy low? Are you looking for kind of these new opportunity guys? What's your strategy? Yeah, I think that bring up Jeremy Chin is a good example of somebody that you have to like because of his surroundings, um, an intersection of talent and opportunity uh, and the situation around him. So I think that just like on the offensive side of the ball, we want to find those potential fantasy perfect storms uh, where you can tell yourself a story of not just out producing the late round dart throw to be good depth or somebody that you can plug in drink buys and injuries, but somebody with a high ceiling. So, uh, I mean, I think bounce back players, I think that's why I brought up to Marcus Lawrence. I think definitely looking at bounce back players, players that we know have already done it. And then looking for those young players with the unknown upside. Uh, I, I think that again, in some of these situations where we're looking at, three or four players. It's just like a running back by committee on the offensive side. Sometimes the answer is none of the above. Sometimes the answer is the duties will be split up and none of the players are good enough to truly seize that. So I'd like looking for players that I I feel like if things line up, if they do bounce back or if the young players ready to hit the ground running, then they can vastly outproduce what you pay for them. Yeah, absolutely. Addy, let's hit some ears. Who are the guys you're not leaving the draft without? Yeah, speaking of young guys with upside, uh, Afedi Odenikbo, Minnesota. Um, only 372 defensive snaps last year, but put up seven sacks and 25 pressures. That's so nice. no more Everson Griffin, no more Limbaugh Joseph. Minnesota has a serious need there. Um, so he's going to be my target for redrafts. You can get him like, you know, D, DL3-4. Um, and, and on Dynasty, I'm, another guy on my radar at, on Minnesota's unit is uh, DJ Wanham. Ooh, I haven't heard of this guy. He's uh, he's their fourth round draft pick out of South Carolina. Uh, I mean, really similar to Den- uh, Daniel Hunter as far as like just his athleticism and his. Was and this his... the athletic guy they took? That's kind of a project. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. So I mean, I don't know. They're just they're really good at uh, the defensive line coach there, uh, Coach Anderson's really good at developing these guys. So um, definitely someone I'm, I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, linebacker, my boy AJ Johnson, the uh, the wood chopper. There you go. Was that the one that was chopping wood this offseason? Oh, yeah. yeah. Him and him and James Conner, mm-hmm. both the wood choppers. Yeah, they're not a more manly activity than chopping wood. No, sir. So, uh, you know, AJ didn't see time at linebacker until week five. Um, but once he did, he, he lit it up. He averaged 7.75 tackles a game. So if you, you extrapolate that out to, to a full 16 games, that's about 125 tackles. Um, graded really well on PFF. Actually, actually graded... Uh, 88.6, which was the seventh overall linebacker. Wow. Mm. Um, you don't often see that with guys kind of thrust in for their first opportunity. No, I mean, he he's in uh, another guy that's going super late. Like he's going after, you know, LB 36. Um, mm. And I just think he has, you know, top 24 upside, honestly. I would agree. Um, defensive back, 
Tracy Walker. One of your babies. Of course. Um, can't leave the draft without your son. Can't. I got, he's uh, he's going to be this year's Buddha, in my opinion. You think so? Yeah, I mean, people are already on him, you know, but uh, he, he's going about DB 6-8, but I think he's going to finish inside that top three, uh, kind of how Buddha did last year. But, you know, Tracy Walker, 103 tackles le- uh, last year, which led the team, uh, even though he missed three games. Um Averaged about eight tackles a game, which was third behind Buddha and Eric Reed. Wow. So this guy's a baller. Uh, big fan of him. Um, I think he's still being slept on, but he should be considered among the elites. Yeah, Sig, speaking of, we've mentioned him a couple times here, and these are some some great guys to keep an eye on. What's going on with Eric Reed? This guy was like safety Ugh. two last year. Why does this guy not have a job right now? Well, we've seen safeties in general languish in the free agent market and you know trey boston speaking of panther safeties finally got his contract and i think we've seen there also is this colin kaepernick thing hanging over uh, and reed was one of the strongest voices other than kaepernick in that movement Mm -hmm. and you wonder how much that played into it but you also hope that it's not something that uh it would now hold up a team from bringing on eric reed but you know this isn't the first time that he's been on the free agent market longer than we expected. uh, And he was productive. And I suppose at this point we've seen the reality is because it isn't just Eric Reed, right? Like Jadavian Clowney saw out there. Everson Griffiths speaking of Minnesota ends and on the Minnesota end tip real quick, Stephen Weatherly in Carolina be an interesting one to watch that they just churn those guys out. Um, So I think that there's a lot of good players, Logan Ryan. There's a lot of good players still out there that obviously would be an upgrade for any number of teams, but it feels like after the draft, uh, teams just went into a a freeze on making any sort of personnel moves other than, you know, some dribbles and drops like Cam Newton signing. And when they get to camp and see who's been staying in shape, see who's ready for the new scheme or who's ready, who's, integrating into their new team's program um, and perhaps, you know, who's COVID positive and who is going to have to sit because we're going to see when camp starts a, a round of testing and some players in the dozens are going to test positive. And then those players additionally, because the guideline is to not practice while you're symptomatic, you know, some of these players are looking at missing all training camp when they get that positive test that's being a training camp. And that's when you're going to see teams have a sense of urgency to sign these guys. And Reed should get signed and should slot right into a big role, a box safety role. And this is a great time, like Cam Newton, all these Panthers, former Panthers. Um, get him now. You know, if he's on the waiver wire or you can, I mean, this is a guy whose value is obviously going to bounce back from the lull it's in because he's been a free agent for a while. Yeah, that's such a great point, Sig. It's like these guys are unsigned right now, but I saw a tweet this morning, uh, medical experts predicting that hundreds and hundreds of players uh, are yeah. going to come to training camp positive for coronavirus. And so, uh, you know, catching. Yeah, here it is. The NFL expects dozens, if not hundreds of players to show up to training camp with COVID-19. Catching them immediately is imperative if the NFL wants to have a season. That's from Ben Volin at the Boston Globe. So all these guys that are unsigned, I feel like it's going to be a mad rush once training camp actually starts. So maybe that's why we're seeing these guys haven't signed yet is they know they're going to have an insane amount of leverage once training camp comes and they've got 15 teams bidding for their services. But seriously, that's just free money and fantasy because those guys, as soon as they sign, like we just saw with Cam Newton, they're just their value is going to explode. Yeah. Everyone's forgetting about Clowney, forgetting about Griffin. Yeah. Griffin. um, Even somebody like Logan Ryan, that maybe wasn't the best on the actual NFL field finished as like DB one, I think in our sleeper league last year. So yeah, don't forget about these guys. Um, And speaking of contracts and guys getting signed, we mentioned it a little earlier, Sig, the Patrick Mahomes contract 10 Mm -hmm. year extension. So he's now under contract for 12 years depending on the numbers that you saw, it was around like half a billion dollars. So I'm just curious, you know, this was sort of a a game changing contract or was it now that we've had some time to digest uh, all the specifics and ramifications of Mahomes signing this deal? Where are you coming down on this SIG? I love it. I look at it as like the grand romantic gesture at the end of a romantic comedy. You know, it's like Andy Reid and 
Patrick Mahomes and all the Chiefs fans embrace and say, we want to be married forever. You know, <laughs> we, we were the, like, that's part of the reason at the beginning of the show, we're like, Oh, not Andy Reed. Someone protect Andy Reed, you know? Um, because this has been a wonderful story to watch unfold and for a team to have that willingness to make that commitment and for a player to commit himself to a team for that long, just represents how good everything is right now, how wonderfully lined up he is with this coaching staff, with this offense, with his teammates. And I think it's a wonderful thing. I mean, maybe if everything gets off track by year six, seven of the contract, it will look like a bargain, but I don't think Patrick Mahomes cares. And again, this is one of those things that goes back to the original conversation we had. I mean, does it really matter whether you have like $11 million in the bank or $12 million in the bank or $12 million and $20 million or $20 million and $30 million? Like, is it going to change your life? Is it actually going to really, is there going to be some point in your life? And you're like, wow, if I just had 410 million instead of 402 million, life would be so different. And, you know, or even three hundred million instead of four hundred million, right? Like if it ends up that, that Patrick Mahomes could have got sixty million five years from now, does it matter? Yeah, I, yeah right. I, I hope not. And I think a lot of players are maybe just trying to think about things more this way right now. Yeah, and that's what where I've kind of come around on this is I hope I hope this signals a new era of players actually getting paid with their worth. But what we're bumping up against here in this era of more and more player empowerment is the NFL salary cap sig, which mm-hmm. in general, I'm a fan of. Um, I think it, while not perfect, it does help uh, encourage parity in the NFL. And so, but that is where I'm struggling right now, because if Patrick Mahomes, let's say he had pursued baseball and become the hottest, you know, baseball up and coming player of the past two decades, could he have gotten a billion dollar contract in the MLB? Like that's, that's, that's the question I'm asking myself is I I'm a fan of the salary cap. And even though Mahomes got this massive, yeah. you know, record setting deal, you do have to ask yourself the question. If this was an uncapped league, like the MLB, what could Mahomes have gotten yeah. on the free agent market? So I'm struggling with that right now of like, I want these guys to get paid what they're worth, but I don't know if that's possible in a league that has a salary cap in place. He would have gotten a billion dollars. Absolutely. Someone would have given him 15 years, a billion, whatever, <laughs> whatever he wanted, 20 years, $2 billion, whatever right. percentage yeah, of the franchise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ownership. What do you want? You want your, you know, you want a private jet. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good thought. I hadn't thought about that, but uh, yeah, I think he'd be all over a billion for real. <laughs> I get my my only issue was with it is uh just the timing of it. You know, in the middle of this uh pandemic, we've we've heard about the the salary cap actually, you know, maybe decreasing next year because of the lost revenue. Um so there's just some uncertainty with the financials. I I I do think the NFL is going to be just fine long term. We we see it go up pretty much 10 million every year. So I don't think it's going to look that out of whack. Um it it'll probably age well, but um, just the timing with, with being mm-hmm. 10 years. I mean, why could it not be five years, two fifty? you know? Yeah. I think that's what Sig was talking about though, is like this grand romantic gesture at the end of the rom-com, even though there's so many signs that these two people should yeah. be together. Yeah. Like this is not, maybe you should think about this or get a place or like, you know, maybe date for a little bit. Yeah. That's what makes this so wonderful is that the chiefs are like, I know the world is burning around us. Right. You you're you're the one that we want to spend our lives with. We love you. We love you. Yep. We just we just got a ring together and yep. uh, this is going to cap it off. And and I've, I've have you noticed like all the Mahomes videos have been going around lately like him having fun with his teammates and stuff. They yeah. seem like they really like each other. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think Mahomes is very beloved. So yeah, um good. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say Andy Andy Reid obviously beloved there. That was his guy. He wanted Mahomes, you know, shipped Alex Smith out of town. So, um I don't know, do you do you see do you do you question the timing at all Sig or do you think the Chiefs were going to do this deal and it was going to look different than any, any other deal, coronavirus or not? Matt, emergency crisis gives you clarity, right? I mean, I see a lot of people posting that they're proposing or getting married. Uh you know, I've seen a few Doug Farrar from our, our football community got uh, like a Zoom wedding. Um, what time gives you more impetus to make sure you're where you want to be 
than a time like this. So I totally understand being willing to overcommit, you know, uh, at this moment. I just think it leaves the other teams like Dak and the Cowboys and all these other situations coming up that they're like, well, I, I, I 97% love you. So what does that mean? You know, so that makes it a little bit harder for yeah. them. But, you know, that's how it is out in life, too. That's a great point. That's kind of a power move. They just made it way awkward for everyone else. Yep. You know? Yeah. Jerry Jones is like, oh, oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> I got That's it at Jared. Here's your ring. Yeah, exactly. Dak's sitting at the window with the rain coming down, just like staring mm-hmm. out the window, like sad gif right now. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think Dak is the one kind of wild card that's out there right now because of this. And uh, you're right. I don't think the Cowboys and their fans are in, as in love with Dak Prescott as Chiefs fans are with Patrick Mahomes. So be very curious to see how that plays out, especially with all of the factors swirling around the financials of the NFL right now. But Sig, let's get back to fantasy football yeah. and talk about you and t- uh, Scott talked extensively about strategy. What are mm-hmm. you doing now? to adopt to this new normal that the NFL is going to be operating in. So are there any strategies that you're implementing this year on the IDP side, zero DL, zero LB, zero DB, anything like that, that you're thinking about going into your drafts? I think that it's still about the stud linebackers, like the top 10 or 12 linebackers. And because of depending on your scoring system, the outside linebackers, it's, it's you just want to get, if possible, more than one of them. I think defensive line is deep enough. Defensive back is deep enough. I think there's more knowledge gaps you can exploit at defensive line and defensive back than at linebacker. So I want to get two of those guys that we know are every down, very productive, able to make the big plays, and then I'll worry about the other positions later. Excellent. Yeah, I think, Addy, you had written down some notes here for maybe some strategies that you're looking at to adopt to this kind of uncertainty we're facing. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm just going to, you know, kind of wait. I'm going to fill out the offense, get, you know, have really good depth on offense this year uh, because I think we see it every year in, in IDP. You know, people just aren't as in you, you, we always hope for those perfect leagues where everyone's you're firing on all cylinders, but that's normally not the case. Uh, there's some people just aren't into it or, you know, there's too many leagues that we're all involved in. Yes. So, you know, um, you can always find these guys on the wire. Uh, that have huge IDP years and that's going to be amplified even more this year. So um, I am okay implementing a lot more of these, you know, zero DL, zero linebackers, uh, zero DB drafts. I think um, at the beginning of the year, I was all about, you got to get your defensive line early and often, but as I've done more drafts, I've realized it is a pretty deep position like JPP, Robert Quinn. um, There's ton uh, of Odenikbo, like all these guys late that I really like. Um, but I'm kind of scratching my chin here, pun intended, Ooh. thinking about loading up on a bunch of safeties just because I think, would you say it's a safe position? Don't you dare. Sig, I'll see myself out. Thank you for yeah. coming on the show. <laughs> the, uh, okay. So there's like what, six or eight safeties that we're really excited about. Right. Yeah, pretty much. And then it just drops off. What what if what if you just get Derwin James, Jamal Adams, and like Buda Baker, Tracy Walker? Just load up, load up. I mean, we can we know that we can find all these linebackers late. The Milanos, the AJ Johnsons, the Trevathans. Same with defensive line. Um, I don't know, boys. I'm 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 thinking about that. Is uh, no, we always sleep on these DBs. We always hear, oh, you can stream them, you can find them. Can you? It's a pretty shallow position, in my opinion, as far as elite talent goes. Sounds like you may just be scared of your ability to get DBs off the waiver wire. Uh, yeah, you may be on something. <laughs> <laughs> Never seen Adam scared before. So, Sig, let's talk about, you know, we mentioned guys earlier that we're not leaving our draft yeah. without. Who are some guys that you're fading in 2020 just for fantasy purposes? Mm-hmm. Let's kind of set aside the implications of coronavirus here. Who are some guys that you're fading? Well, look, just because of coronavirus, uh, I and I love Cam Hayward. He's asthmatic. So uh, he's maybe a player that opts out. He may be a player that at some point in the season says, I, you know, I'm, this is too much of a risk, but on the non coronavirus fade, um, Lee and Esch, just the, the very silent. I mean, I think he had neck surgery, but the next stuff feels like something that is just too fragile to take on the risk. Uh, and then Blake Martinez, 
Now, Blake Martinez was very frank. <laughs> I don't know if you all remember what he said earlier in the offseason, that he was just a cleanup guy in Green Bay, that he didn't have actual responsibilities, that he just, and this is, and he hears the criticism about your tackles are made mo- this far downfield, right? Because that's one of the things about IDP fantasy football. Like, tackles. It's just like how a catch in the fourth quarter in garbage time is worth the same as a catch in the first quarter. You know, making the tackles 10 yards downfield on a running back who's bursting through the second level is the same as coming up and stuffing someone in the hole for no gain. Uh, And I just wonder about how much of Martinez's productivity was because of that. And I'm more interested maybe in Christian Kirksey. And I'm not going to spend a premium pick on Martinez whenever it sounds like he just has been freelancing and getting a lot of tackles because of the lack of structure in that defense. Yeah, that is true. And I do have a little bit of hesitation anytime a player switches teams in the offseason, but having Martinez there in New York with that just garbage around him as far as like uh, linebackers and DBs. Right. I am a little more curious about, okay, is this going to translate or was just, was Martinez in a perfect storm situation for his talents, which were, which were mop up duty, getting those kind of uh, sloppy stats. Um, Addy, I think you had a couple guys that you were looking at fading here in 2020. Yeah. Sam Hubbard. I don't know. I think he gets mentioned among like the elites of the league. I don't think he's quite there. He uh, he played a lot last year, 871 snaps, only 49 pressures. You look at somebody like Daniel Hunter, he had 88 pressures on 897. Cam Jordan had um, 83 on 894. Joey Bosa had 72 on 846. Nick Bosa had 80 on 789. So just he's not at that level. He's he's far off. Um from those guys and they're, they're switching to a three, four, you know, it's just a little, little uncertain. You got to pay a pretty hefty price for him. You know, he's, he's not discounted. He's going top eight. So uh, I'm going to fade him this year. He's extremely handsome though. We he is hot. That. He is hot. He, I think he was, a, he came in at number two on the mm-hmm. uh, hottie list. So. That's right. So we, we ranked in the off season, the hottest as in most attractive defensive players. Sam Hubbard came in second, his wife, his wife, yes, did my this. wife, we were, Adam we were here. Gave commentary, <laughs> sure, that's okay. There's some Look, there's some good looking dudes. There are. I, I you know I think that there can definitely be, um, especially with quarterbacks. You know, uh, and there's another show here about how football is maybe the most homoerotic sport, but we'll talk about that as we get further down the coronavirus delirium. Yeah, that's we, right. We that's would right. love to talk about that. Was, Sig. Yes, we would. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Also, I'm going to fade Tremaine. I just, the price tag's too much for me. Also, we, uh, speaking of handsome hotties, Matt Milano, yes, much, much good. rather have him at his price. Yep. Um, and also this pains me to say, but Buddha Baker, Oh, one of your other babies. Yeah. He, uh, he, he led all, uh, safeties and snaps and also had the most tackles. It's just due for aggression. And also when you bring in Campbell and, and, uh, Simmons, that's, that's not going to help. So when you said he led the league with a hundred, is that, for all defensive that's for, players, that's for safeties. DBs. Safeties, okay. He might. It. I mean, he he was probably that's probably fifth, pretty high up there, the yeah. top five. I would yeah, think. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, this just sort of screams regression. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I agree. Let's talk. Uh, one of our favorite subjects here, Sig, is rookies. Mm. Now this is tough because we get rookie fever. You know, we saw our our uh, plays per episode spiked around the NFL draft when casual fans were kind of checking back in with fantasy. So everyone has rookie fever. But something you and Scott talked about was the effect on these rookies and the idea of just fading them as a sort of group because they're not going to get that prep time, which is so crucial. That said, who are some of your favorites from this year's class and what are your expectations yeah. for them making an impact? I like Grant Delpit a lot. I just feel like it's a combination of a couple of things we talked about because last year he was banged up and he just wasn't the same player. Uh, he also is a, a safety behind a suspect linebacker group. And I think he could be a tremendous big play safety. I'm sure you all remember uh, last year at this time, Delpit was in the discussion to be a top 10 pick to be one of those franchise safety types. And he had a down year, but I, I think he could be spectacular. Love Willie Gay. I won't be surprised if he, 
produces, especially in big play leagues, closer to the linebackers that were going earlier than him in rookie drafts this year. I think that Willie Gay is an example, much like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, where the Chiefs had a very specific role that a very specific kind of player can flourish in. Because if you like Willie Gay's, you know, if you like watching the tape, go back and watch some Willie Gay tape. I mean, the phrase like runs around like his hair is on fire kind of player. And I think that Kansas City knows that's what they're getting and they're not that they're going to unleash him. And then uh, Ashton Davis and Ashton Davis, you mentioned Tracy Walker. Ashton Davis is a Tracy Walker kind of player in the just athleticism beyond ideal, you know, jump out of the gym, solidly built fast, uh, still pretty new to football. He was a walk on as a freshman also can play in the return game too. If you like, at getting extra return yards, points in your uh, your format, your scoring. And then we also hear that Adam Gase does it again. And Marcus May was a player that Adam Gase wanted to trade before the season. So Marcus May, who's a really solid uh, free safety. But you know, I see Ashton Davis being a starter there as soon as next year. And maybe they trade May at the deadline. Uh, maybe they play a lot with three safeties. I think that you're going to see that trend. So those are th- three that I think are universally undervalued maybe they do a twofer trade both may and jamal adams at the same time there you go <laughs> yeah. i wouldn't be surprised i think gase is sort of like football is best played with no players it's just <laughs> right. coaches in a virtual simulation yes mm-hmm. uh battling wits so yeah he's kind of the black he's hole. like the bad bill belichick he is yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's the bizarro belichick i think we can agree on that so um we're we're getting a little close on time here sig i want to uh, get you out of here uh, with uh, a couple more questions. Yeah. We're going to do a rapid round at the end. Yeah, we can do lightning round. Prizes is double. <laughs> That's right. So trades. I'm just curious, your mm-hmm. philosophy, one of the things that stops newbies from playing in IDP leagues is the idea of player value. How do you value guys when you're making trades? So just a philosophical question. Yeah. You know, you're a philosophy guy. Who is the best offensive player that you'd be willing to part part with for a Darius Leonard or Daniil Hunter level IDP asset? The answer is it depends on the scoring and the lineups. Okay. But this is a good chance for me to stump for leagues. I play in some leagues where scoring is ramped up for IDPs so that they, the most valuable IDP can score at the same level as the most valuable offensive player. And you start a full lineup of IDPs, which I almost feel like it's a given, right? Like when I hear IDP league, it means you're starting like 9, 10, 11 defensive yeah. players because I get it if you want to dip your toe in the water, but that defeats the purpose because if you only start three or five IDPs, then everybody just has all great IDPs in their lineup. So it, it, I definitely play in some leagues where um, you know a player like Miles Garrett or Daniil Hunter can score close to the level of a Michael Thomas or a Christian McCaffrey. But yet in those leagues, nobody would trade even close to a McCaffrey for a defensive player. So you, on one hand, you can look at your scoring and lineups and realize that IDPs are generally undervalued by, you know, if you're doing your dynasty startup. But on the other hand, if everybody's undervaluing them, then you're not going to get the value back in the trade that you want. Like last year, I think I traded uh, Preston Williams for Miles Jack in one of these leagues. I like Miles Jack going back to weak side linebacker and bouncing back. Um, but you know, you can see the premium on offensive players, and I think that a player around the fiftieth, like the your offensive top fifty players, are probably the players that you're going to keep regardless. And uh, otherwise, you're just not getting back the value that you can. And it's something I think it's not right, but until we see a shift in the way people think about it, they're always going to want more IDP value than what they put in the offensive side. So keep those top 50 offensive players. Yeah, I said, and Addy, I'd be curious your thoughts here. Maybe like pre-foot injury, like a Debo Samuel type, like would be maybe a little high. I'm kind of seeing like these up and coming offensive guys. Cause you're right. For like, like a, not, for like a Daniel Hunter. Yeah. Or a, like, yeah like a DJ chart for Daniel yeah, Hunter type deal. Like, I mean, that feels dirty. Like, yeah. I feel I'm like scared I'm, to do that. Yeah. I'm cheating the other person. Um, you know, like if this really is an equivalent, but I don't want to move guys that are a little higher on the offensive rankings. Cause there is still this imbalance in terms of value and, and how we see these guys. 
and we, uh, you know, we're humble fellas, but we know how to find these gems. We do. Yeah. We know how to sift through and find the diamonds. So let's uh, get you out of here, Addy. Let's hit Sig with some rapid rounds. I wish we had some cool, like, rapid round music, but just pretend that it's pumping right now. Pew, 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 pew. Exactly. So now we're going to run you through some questions here. Addy's got them lined up. Let's hear what Sig has to say. Take it away, Addy. LB1 this year. I'll be boring and say Darius Leonard. I just think correct answer. Correct. DeForest Buckner is going to make the Colts offense so fun to watch. Agreed. Love it. Uh, Safety one. It's still Buddha. I mean, I love that guy. I just... I, you got. I, I, we were going to talk about my like my soft spot player past was Bob Sanders. So of course yes. I'm going to be the big preach, preach. Uh, what about defensive tackle one? Mm. Um, I mean, I guess it's you know, is Aaron Donald listed? See, this is another true yeah. position yeah. issue, right? Is we'll he listed as a defensive here. tackle or defensive we, end now? Because he's going to play defensive more, end. Yeah. Um, I'll. I'll, I'll <laughs> I'll go off the I, I will I'll go off the reservation here real quickly and say not necessarily D tackle one, but somebody I want to have on my team is Ed Oliver. Even with the potential suspension looming? I just think that the Bills are one of those teams. So my coronavirus theory is that it's gonna be real hard for teams to not be distracted. But there's a handful of teams that are on a mission. The, the Saints are one, I think the Bills are one. Uh They've got continuity. They've got a program everyone's bought into. The personnel have been handpicked. I mean, it's these are teams that the Bills have to go into this year feeling like this is our window right now to assert our supremacy. And I just feel like Ed Oliver is one of those players that could really take off in an Aaron Donald kind of way. Okay, what about uh, DN, uh, DE1? Yeah. Just give me Miles Garrett, you know. Yep. I, I mean, That's a good choice. I just I feel like we still haven't seen the best of his game and I just want it to happen when he's on my roster. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Where is uh clowny going to end up? Well, you know, Philly now comes into the picture, although will they just not even do it? I actually think probably the smart money now is Seattle is that he goes back to a organization that he knows he's comfortable in a role that he knows he fits in, takes less money, like half probably of what he was looking for just for this year, uh, because somebody else, another organization is going to have to really convince him that what they have going on again, this uh, theme of players weighing things other than money. I mean, obviously Clowney's not getting long-term security. So in the short term, uh, that uh, familiarity and the sense of, going somewhere that you know you, you like the people you work with and you understand how they're going to use you and you're not going to be frustrated by that. Uh, I think after playing for Bill O'Brien, you know, <laughs> that's the other thing, right? Like I want you to play for Bill O'Brien. You're like, I need to make sure I don't ever play for someone like Bill O'Brien again. And yeah. Pete Carroll is just about the opposite end of the spectrum for Bill O'Brien. Yeah. There's definitely something to be said for continuity and stability right now. Yep. Okay. So final question, yep. most important question. Favorite fast food restaurant and what's your go-to order? Okay. So, you know, fast food. Um, wow. So, you know, fast food has a, a, a wide range of options. Um, I do think if we, if we technically call Chipotle fast food, is Chipotle fast food? I yeah, think so. We're going to consider it. Chip, I think the Chipotle fast food, the uh, Chipotle's, the I think they um, barbacoa. It's not real barbacoa. It's not actual, but their barbacoa is just excellent. Their shredded beef. Um, I also think on that note that really the best fast food in a lot of places is a taqueria, like an authentic taqueria. Uh, however, you know I'll, I'll shout out um, Quiznos and the Italian sub. I'll seek that one out. Rip. And we, we, we've had a few go out know, of business here. Quiznos. Didn't make it in Bowling Green. Very sad about that. Quiznos was great. Yeah, you know, the oven baked, the, the heat brings out the, the, the wonderful juices. And I always loved them. I thought they were yeah, great. They were I was good. sad to see them go. Yeah. But, you know, there's some old, good old hits, right? Like a Wendy's Frosty, mm. um, McDonald's French fries. Absolutely. Preach. Preach. You know, I mean, there's these are the old standbys. These are the ones that are still there for us during these crazy times. Absolutely. They're the ones we can count on. Yeah, man. A little bit of just uh, surprise and delight. 
That's great though. I, I'm I'm a big Chipotle fan uh, as well. I feel like I'm on I'm on an island a lot at times with that take because a lot of people like Cadoba and Moe's, but no, uh, no. Chipotle, man. Do you what what salsa do you get on yours? Spicy, hot, hot, hot. hot everything, one. everything as hot as possible. Everything. So I want food that is gets me right to that point where I think maybe I made a mistake, like the first bite that I took. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna survive this. Yeah, that's you want to live a little when you eat, right? Exactly. Yeah, that, you're you fit right in with us, bud. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, um, thanks so much, Sig. We really appreciate you coming on and just talking. You know, that's what's beautiful about these kind of episodes, Addy, is we kind of get the wide range of topics of discussion here. You know, this is big three. We're going to pull in the fast food. We're going to talk some sleepers, but say, I appreciate you bringing some insight to kind of the larger picture of the NFL right now. This was a lot of fun. It absolutely. And we have other questions that we didn't cover. So we'll have to do this again. And I do want to do one last fast food shout out. When you come to new Orleans, there's a bunch of things I could say here. Get your gas station, fried chicken. Ooh, okay. Gas the gas station fried chicken here is probably about as good as the fried chicken in most of the places where people are listening. Mm-hmm. I and I could give recommendations. I can anybody want any recommendations about New Orleans? That's the real profession I want to do. I should just be doing a New Orleans podcast. Although go. right now, obviously, things are a little quiet down here. But thanks, guys. Seriously, and I, I think this is just all about we enjoy spending time together. I enjoyed it. I hope people listening enjoyed it. I look forward to doing it again. Mm. Absolutely. We'll definitely have you back on. Hopefully there's a season. Hopefully we have some stuff to talk about uh, maybe here in a few months time. And we'll definitely have you back on Sig. Addy, I'm glad we got to do this. Glad you got to cross the goat off of your uh, your kind of like list here. Didn't throw up. Yeah. So success. This is uh, this is good. This is progress, Addy. I'm proud of you. Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this rare Sunday episode of the Big Three IDP podcast. Uh, be sure to uh, you know, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review. Sig, before we get you out of here, where can people find your work? Yeah. Give us all the details here. Yeah, football guys, all, always football guys. And basically, if you're obsessed about football, fantasy football, um, first thing you think about when you wake up or fall asleep or otherwise, football's help your life preserver thinking about the future that in some way, football guys can help you. Absolutely. You're at Sigmund Bloom on Twitter and you have uh, the podcast people can check out. That's the audible, correct? Yep. And, you know, once the season gets going again, you know, gods and sane people willing, uh, we'll do eight episodes a week Uh, coming up here later on in July. We'll do our preseason watch list where we have an episode for every single team. And we look forward to what the storylines are going to be when camp opens. So yeah, we, we just really enjoy this and we churn out content because we love it. Yep. We're sickos. We're degenerates. We love it. Mm-hmm. We look forward to seeing that SIG. Thank you again, everyone for listening. Take care, stay safe, wear a mask, and we will see you all next week. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. If you like Big 3 IDP, you'll love the IDP guys. You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, basically anywhere you find your podcasts. Uh, And, I mean, mostly I'm just really sorry about Mike's marriage. That's, That's really what I'm here to say. Right, right. If you want hot takes on Mike's failing marriage and talk about poop occasionally, sometimes IDP and fantasy football in general, and you like to worship Babu Freak and follow Tony Johns to protect Baby Yoda, that's the place for you, idpguys.org. It's the Big Three, it's the Dream Team. Adam, Bobby, Josh, you got the news feed. It's the Big Three, it's the Dream Team. Big Three, IDP, let's go.